Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers and one of my dearest brothers, Lee Diffie. How are you, my man? How are you doing getting ready to call your first iRace tomorrow? Uh, I'm well. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, uh, excited, interested. Uh, we have spent, we uh, meaning uh, myself, Townsend Bell and Paul Tracy have spent the last couple of days um, at various times with the folks from iRacing uh, going through some rehearsals and basically kind of um, on-the-job training, if you wish, uh, as to how their system works from the inside out, like how it's going to be, how it will work from us. You know, like when we go to any IndyCar race or any, any IMSA race or whatever broadcast we're doing, um, you, you know, it's it's uh, very uh, familiar and we, we have our routine and, you know, there's the producer and the director and this and that and whereas now, you know, I'm going to be calling. I'm going to be calling this race tomorrow from you know my house, and same with you know I'll be I'll be in Connecticut, Townsend will be in California, and Paul will be in Scottsdale, Arizona, and you know just it's just so different. But um, with that being said, it's really exciting, and I'm just I'm happy that we're going to be calling some racing for the fans. And that's going to be an interesting thing as well, calling the drivers you normally call on a broadcast, competing in. Indy cars, just not tangible, physical ones. We're going to get to the questions that folks sent in. Our man, Robin Miller, who was meant to join in. Uh, I think he ate a bad pork tenderloin or something like that. His tummy's a little bit under the weather. But we'll get to the uh, some of the scheduling questions and some of the other things that have come in in reaction to the Indy 500 being moved and uh, a lot of other items on the calendar. But before that, let's talk about calling this, Lee. How do you do that? Do you approach it as this is entertainment compared to sport like you normally would an IndyCar race? Do you just go straight ahead, treat it like it's no different than we were heading to maybe Barber or Coda this weekend? What's the approach? Yeah, no, just, um, uh, and we have not been uh, dictated to or, or, or told to, to, to treat it one way or another. Um, I, I can, I'm pretty confidently, I can speak with my, Longtime friends and booth mates that we're all taking it, um, tr- treating it just like a normal race. Um, obviously, it's it's entertainment, but I mean, when there was a there was a rehearsal race that went on today. No, those guys were treating it like a rehearsal. They were racing full on. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I I got to um, I got to uh, interview Jimmy Johnson, uh, who was a late a late addition to the field, but he just. He just wants to get better, right? And um, at, at this, at the you know, i racing model, and and just to um, you know, he, he's keen to obviously, as we know, and you've reported on that he he will you know do some some IndyCar racing this year at some stage. Um, he just wants to be better at the whole thing. He said he'd learn a, a heck of a lot last week with uh, NASCAR's i racing um, event, and he wants to do better this weekend, and he wants to do well in the IndyCar one. But I said. Mate, those first couple of laps were pretty wild. There were cars in the air. There were cars flipping, <laughs> cars in the walls. And he said, "Oh, it was wild. It was wild." So I mean, they're treating it. They're treating it just like a, a, a real race. So why why shouldn't we? Tell me about the the other angle here. And this is maybe a little bit inside baseball, but I don't know. That's kind of what we do. So when you're getting ready to call the such and such Grand Prix IndyCar race, it's on a Sunday. 
you and Townsend and Kevin Lee and whomever else is there, you know, all the broadcast team, you will spend days leading up to that event, making notes, going throughout the paddock, getting little bits of info and Intel, Oh, new engineer. Oh, they got a new damper vendor, whatever. Um, you're sourcing info to use during the broadcast to enrich the broadcast beyond just what's taking place with the physical action going on. What do you do here? I mean, Hey, look, Zach Veach got some new fish. Yay! I mean, I don't know how you do this, but your normal routine is to be very well studied before calling a race. What happens in uh, the world of iRacing? Well, we're going to learn. <laughs> we're about to find out. But, I mean, I've been talking with, with um, the majority of the field via text throughout today because, obviously, they were busy. They had to, to do that. Um, you know, a lot of the guys were telling me how they had, uh, you know, many of them had just received their sim equipment and they'd been putting it together and they were behind on that. And But they're excited. But, they're, you know, some have considerably more experience than the others. So I think, you know, to answer your question, just, I don't know, one step at a time, let's see how we go. Let's call the action. And, and, and um, I think uh, it's going to be a learning experience for us all. And then the, the big picture is that this is week one of six, right? They're going to do six. The IndyCar is looking, IndyCar and I racing it, looking at building some, um, some, uh, time equity as far as try and do these every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern so the fans can bank on that and there's going to be a series of six of these so I think we're going to learn a heck of a lot on Saturday uh, and then we'll be better next week and we'll probably be better the week after and because um, you know it's just a it's just a different world so but uh, I'm <laughs> I'm excited I, I, I don't know what we're in for Based on the rehearsal race today, oh my goodness, I think we're in for some pretty spectacular crashes, uh, but at least nobody's going to get hurt. So the last thing that comes to mind on this diff is, so we have this amazing field of amazing drivers, and yet in speaking with Alexander Rossi a couple days ago, he might be the most frustrated I've ever seen him Uh in relation to driving an indie car and his is not a real one. It's him trying to figure out using whatever simulator he has at home, figuring out iRacing, not going well. I really hope someone tries to do this with a joystick old school. That'd be fun. But regardless what comes to mind with, you know, some very competitive people who are accustomed to leading. And the fact is some of the stars of IndyCar might get humbled here and then we got a total wild card and Robert Wickens coming in as well. well. I was curious what you think about how competitive this might be and how we might find out that some of the real racers are great e-racers. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, um, again, I, I, I don't want to keep going back to this race that happened today um, because, because folks didn't get to see it, but it was really interesting as far as what happened with the gaps between between uh, the cars, between the drivers. Like there was, and to kind of set the tone, there was an iRacing employee who was doing it, who was a very, very good driver. Within no time, he had put 14 seconds on the next driver. 
from first to second. So I think you're going to have a lot of the drivers say that they're on a steep learning curve, but at the same time, once the field came back together, there was some awesome racing. Like uh, Connor Daly pulled off a move on Simon Paginot going down into the boot that just you just wouldn't work in a real car, but this thing was it was spectacular, and so I think we're going to see lots of cool things. Um, and I think there will be. Um, I tell you, who was amazing. I tell you, who was really good. Sage Caram. Caram was incredible. So I think you might see a bit of a shuffled order, right? And uh, Scott Dixon's not in it this weekend. I think he'll probably be in it next weekend. Um, uh, because he was terrible. waiting on some equipment to I'm arrive. I'm glad he spared us from his terrible driving, so that's a good call. <laughs> so uh, Marco Andretti's not in it, but I don't know about the future. Maybe Marco will be in the next one, but there's six weeks to play with. So I, to your point, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a, a very different order from what we see uh, in the real IndyCar world. Let's dive into some questions, mate, that some listeners have sent in curious about the changing calendar one that certainly affects all of us first question which i love and it's something i thought about is kind of a fat sweaty guy our pal philip schmidt says how big of a difference will the weather be in terms of temperature and humidity in august for the 8500 compared to may i did look it up philip and it looks like the average ambient is about 10 degrees hotter and the humidity that I saw is somewhere averaging out about 78%. Whoa. Uh, I think I'm going to be thinner by the end of the month of August. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit toasty. And would say also, Lee, thinking about you know the aero screen in place. We heard from Will Power, Scott Dixon, when they tested it last year at Indy warm but not crazy warm they said it wasn't an issue i think this might lead indycar to think about options there as well because if they're going to be on track with the ambient high uh it might indeed be something where the cockpit gets a little bit warmer uh, than they wanted uh, might want it to be let me ask uh, pose this one to you lee this comes in from heath florkew says is it a good trial run for IndyCar NASCAR to have that double header now, the 4th of July, with the Indy Grand Prix running on the same day as the Xfinity race on the road course. And he says, is there time to swap out a road course for the Oval? But what do you think about that, right? Kind of a unintended, let's get together and see if this Hatfield-McCoy's marriage might work. Uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of it. I'm a big fan of the of the double header and of whatever it might be, whichever categories um, it might be. I mean, for me, just off the top of my head, if I was to say some of the favourite double headers, um, do you remember the do you remember the IndyCar ALMS uh, Mid Ohio weekend? Oh, that was that to me. That was just phenomenal. Um, kind of a little bit further back in the day, we used to do a, a Grand Am Rolex series um, and uh, NASCAR weekend uh, at, at the Glen. And Grand Am would run on a Friday night, and then then you know obviously Saturday Sunday was the um, was the full on NASCAR weekend, and we would have guys like Robbie Gordon and Tony Stewart and whatever drop in and do the the, the Grand Am race because it was short enough. I just think you know all of the as you know because even though you and I work in the industry at the heart and at the core we're fans, and for all of the viewers and the fans, um, it, like 
it's motor racing, right? So let's see more of it. We're not going to be picky and choosy and, and, and let's just go for it. And if it works better for the, um, for the promoters and the, and the, uh, the, the series owners and, and tele works for television and what have you, I just think the fan wins out. Right. And let's, let's have more of that. And I, I think it's awesome. And I asked Jimmy Johnson about it today because Graham Rahal put it to him on, on Twitter yesterday and um, Jimmy actually admitted he didn't know that about the date. He, he, he was busy and he didn't know, he didn't see that IndyCar had put out its calendar, amended calendar. So he didn't know that IndyCar was going to be on the July 4th Brickyard 400 weekend. And then he checked Twitter and saw what Graham was saying. And then he, he is, his face lit up, Marshall. He said it was awesome. And he said, of course, I've got to make it happen on the IndyCar side with, with – um, uh, Aaron McLaren SP, and then I would definitely need to go to Mr. Hendrick to ask permission. But if everybody agreed, I'd be up for it. He said that'd be fantastic. So when you got somebody like Jimmy Johnson uh, applauding it and saying, I'd like to be in both races, I mean, that to me, that says it all. I love the idea that we might have something a little bit strange the non traditional double, right? Uh, normally we think of what the amazing late John Andretti put in motion with doing the Indy 500 and then the Coca-Cola 600 in the same day. This is a little bit easier, right? <laughs> same day, same track. Do IndyCar and the Indy GP road course and Xfinity. I think it'd be pretty amazing if Jimmy Johnson was the first to create a new tradition there and just throwing it out here, knowing that the Brickyard 400 has not been really in a place of strength for a while. We're talking attendance numbers. This July 4th forced collaboration between NASCAR and IndyCar works out favorably. I'd hope maybe we would continue doing it. I don't know if uh, it's always going to work, but I would say, hey, if enough fans turn out and we have some things to celebrate, Lee, like Jimmy hopefully doing the double, I mean, this is the kind of things that we're trying to do right now give fans some cool and interesting stuff that's different and give folks more reasons to follow more racing so i love where that could head got a couple questions here lee i know you've spoken with folks and i know i have as well wondering about some of the things that weren't mentioned on the updated schedule that was released yesterday st petersburg listed as a tbd they said we'd like to be the new season finale, but no mention of Circuit of the Americas or Barber possibly coming back to life. Know that Mr. Barber uh, is not someone who needs an IndyCar race to happen there for the circuit to survive, so that's a great thing. Curious, though, mate, if you can share some thoughts about Coda, what we've been hearing about layoffs, financial hardships. You think that being able to have an IndyCar race might be something they start pushing for? a makeup date of some sorts just I would to get hope the next so. income? I, I would hope so. Um, you know, obviously we're not on the inside, we're not on the board or we're not privy to their financial uh, information. But, um, you know, I have a real soft spot for Circuit of the Americas because uh, I was there in 2012 at the first F1 Grand Prix and, and then we had those wonderful years of F1 on NBC, and uh, I just think that it was, it, it, you know, I know Tavo, as you do, I know Tavo Hellman and Kevin Schwantz, who 
they were the guys who came up with actually the track design on, on the back of a restaurant napkin. And, you know, so I've, I've got a lot of connections there and I've, and, and I just think that it has been a wonderful venue and I, I'm, I'm just, I'm lost for a better adjective, but I'm sad. I'm sad that, uh, if they've fallen into really hard times. And I think, you know, I was reading an article where it was rumored that they've laid off 70% of the staff or something like that, which is terrible. Um, this is a really, these are unprecedented times that we're, what we're dealing with right now. So I would, if there's any way of getting them back on the calendar, um, you know, and it doesn't matter what the category is, whether it's F1, whether it's IMSA, whether it was when V8 supercars from Australia came over, WEC, uh, MotoGP, everybody loves the place. Yeah, there might be a few bumps starting to form now, but people really enjoy going there. And I think it's a world-class venue. And, uh, you know, I don't want to see them just get to uh, a second IndyCar race or their 10th Formula One race. I want to keep it going. And, And I used to say that all the time on the F1 broadcasts. People, uh, rightly so, talk about the glory days of Formula One at Watkins Glen with 20 consecutive years. Well, let's do that now. You know, I I, I have actually been a, a, a staunch opponent of a second U.S. Formula One race because I feel it detracts from from what Coda has done um, and and all of the all of the investment that's been made and the hard work that's been put in because I've seen what happened with MotoGP when they tried to go to two venues within the U.S. People only have so much so much um, disposable income. They they only have so much time off work, and I don't think we need to be splitting hairs um, on that. So I, you know, it, it's kind of pie in the sky stuff. But I wish them all the best because I, I want that track to be around. I want I want IndyCar to be at that track. I really enjoyed the race last year. We got, you know, heck, we got the youngest ever winner in IndyCar history there. So, you know, if you if you keep heaping up the superlatives and the significant things that have occurred at that track. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it and I want it to be around for not only this year, but a lot longer. So if there's a way to get them on, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm with you. We need to do all we can to safeguard the racing circuits that we love on top of so many other things and folks and teams that we just want to be able to see come back once we get through this shutdown. Great question here from J.D. Ellis, one you might pose tomorrow. It says, question from my wife. Will Connor Daly have to rotate between virtual Ed Carpenter Racing and Carlin entries for the iRacing series, depending on the type of track each week? Right? Huh? How does he accrue points as well? (laughs) Yeah, I like That is a good question. That's a good question. So what were you saying? You want us to pose that question tomorrow? I mean, you should, right? Because has he gotten well, if approval? He gets, if he gets on the podium, he'll be in the uh, he'll be in the post race press conference. We could ask him then. Has he received approval from car? You know, I mean, I realize that they signed him to drive Max Chilton's cars in the real ovals. Uh, are they considering him for the iRacing ovals, or they got someone better? I want to know. This is a good question here. Um, it's just a really nice thing sent in by Keith Daniels. So no question, just a thank you for keeping on, keeping on. So I look forward to the podcast each week. Says I too am a caregiver, and the podcast is a welcome respite, as indicated by some other listeners, same as I. So I was hoping to make it to Barber this year, uh, but couldn't because of caregiving duties. Now this virus. Anyways, just wanted to thank us all for taking time to put together these podcasts. So we should tell Lee Diffie that 
you and I have a season preview podcast. That is so awesome. It hasn't aired yet because we haven't started the season yet. But you were season yet. Stop. Well, I want to say thank you to that guy for being a caregiver and for all of the other caregivers. Um, um, you know, our, our, my wife and I, we have two sons who are nine and 11 now, so they're not exactly babies. So I'm not going to call her a babysitter, but she, she was for us for many years and still is a, a, um, part of our family, a, a young lady who has taken care of our kids and we're out of town or I'm at work or whatever, you know, in, in what babysitters do when she was at college. And now she's, she, um, is a nurse, a registered nurse. And, um, so, you know, we, we, uh, very thoughtful and thankful for everything that people are doing at this time. And what, make, what makes it even more complex is our is uh, our sitter Liz. Um, her mum has cancer at the moment, so she's working in hospitals during the day, oh. and she can't even go and visit her mum because her mum has a, a, a compromised immune system. So for uh, Keith, I think it was, um, and, and everybody else, all of the caregivers um, that are really on the front lines at the moment, uh, we can't say thank you enough, and we're, we're thinking of you and very, very grateful for what you're doing for our society. The thing that really jumps out, Lee, whether it's a babysitter, Keith, anyone in that position, is <clears throat> this isn't just self-sacrifice, like, hey, I'm going to try and save a little bit of money. on you know I'm only going to get two lattes per week from my favorite cafe uh, instead of three or four and i'm going to save some of that money i'm going to donate it to something that is meaningful to me that's amazing what i find just as an extra level is with this virus those who continue to give knowing that there is a real danger and threat to themselves i know that you know emts and nurses and there's a lot of folks who face that every day what has just been so heartening to see is how many folks who aren't normally in that space and it, you know, whether it's folks that we know and love in this sport or those who are listening and your family members who might be doing things that they're putting their health at risk to try and help others as this virus works its way through the country. That's something that you just have to take a moment and say, boy, how amazing. Uh, how how amazing to put yourself in jeopardy because you know it could help someone else that's not a step that everyone's normally willing to do lee and just outside of this racing thing we're talking about it has been beautiful to see how many folks have said gotta do it gotta do it because i need to take care of my fellow man fellow woman uh or kids so yeah a lot of a lot of stories that fill one's heart uh full of hope uh, certainly at a time where maybe the sheltering in place is driving some of us a little bit nutty. So <laughs> let's, uh, you know what I, I, uh, I, I like to say, and I've been saying it for, for a couple of weeks now. Um, and certainly, you know, when for us at NBC sports and for every other broadcaster as well in, in, in this, in, in our sphere, you know, our, our, our daily lives, and, and for you too, are based on live sporting events. Well, when there's no live sporting events, what are we doing? And it's, um, it, has, it has been the catalyst to bring out, I think, the creative best in all of us, you know. It's like, well, this is, you know, uh, we're all on somewhat of a treadmill, but while you're on that treadmill, you try and be creative and make new things and new technology and new, implement new technology and ideas and to make it more entertaining for the viewers, right? And 
how do you enhance the sport and uh, what are the sporting uh, governing bodies doing? And, you know, it's this wonderful kind of symphony. Um, but then when, this, when the music stops, <laughs> oh, what do we do? And I, I think really it's brought out the creative best in people. And we're actually getting to see more of, you know, the real, the, the, like people and, and we're being taken into people's homes. And, uh, you know, I interviewed Jimmy Johnson today from my basement. I interviewed uh, Santino Ferrucci yesterday in my kitchen. And, uh, you know, it's just like it, 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 in, a, in a way the, um, the curtain and the shields have come down and, and people are happy to, to you know, to um, do whatever they have to do to provide content and, and entertainment and for those, you know, in some cases, some relief, right? Some pe- people want to be entertained and take their mind off the, the more serious matters at hand. And I think we're all, um, uh, we're all uh, responsible uh, and have a duty to do that. And I, I've found it um, fascinating to see what, to see people's creativity levels. It's, it's terrific. There's a lot of clever people out there. I envy them. Me brain not always work good like that, but yes, I envy them. Uh, let's see, where shall we go? Let's go to Buddy Campbell. This one, I actually think we covered a bit on our see, unaired season preview. We'll run once we do get to racing, but uh, let's crack this one back open. Buddy says, when it comes to Team Penske next year, hashtag me personally, that's the official hashtag of my podcast, by the way. Um, hashtag me personally. I think Scott McLaughlin will take Will Power's seat in the number 12 Chevy. Power then moves to IMSA, and Juan Montoya is the odd man out at Accurate Team Penske. Maybe Montoya moves to Penske's new monster truck team that we haven't heard about yet. What do you think, man? Uh, this Scotty McLaughlin guy, that, that's the, the smiley Kiwi flamethrower. Right, I mean, this guy should be bringing some heat to those who who knows if he might be driving their car next year. Yeah, he's going to bring some heat. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, none of us knows really at the moment where that heat's going to be uh, directed. But he's going to. Um, I. I. I I'm not going to be surprised. I'm actually almost expecting him to do what he did at the preseason tests um, once he gets into a race. I mean, obviously, he's part of the iRacing IndyCar Challenge on Saturday, um, and who knows what he's going to do there. I know he's he's contacted me this week. He's very excited about it. He's really looking forward to to racing with all the guys that he's been testing. You know, tested a couple of times with, but. Um, I've got to know Scott better over the last couple of years. Um, and what impresses me most about him is just his maturity for his age. You know, he's only in his mid twenties, but he's like, he's 45, not 25 or 26 or whatever he is. Um, so yeah, he's going to, he's going to make life uncomfortable for somebody there. Uh, whoever that is, I don't know, but he's going to, he's going to give Roger Penske and Tim Sindrick, um, you know, a uh, uh, call to make a tough decision, I think, unless they go with four cars, which I don't think they'll do, but who knows they have before. So we'll see. I mean, he's, he's, he's uber talented and he is just raring to go to be racing in, in America. And that's nothing against Australia or New Zealand. He just wants to be here yesterday. Ross Porter asks a, a schedule question. Lee says, how feasible the thought of maybe weekday 
or night races being held in the now condensed schedule? Or would IndyCar consider extending well into October, even November, if it makes sense with the venues and TV? Could we possibly see the series finale somewhere other than Laguna Seca? I think the last, um, let's start with the last part here, Lee, because we know that Laguna, with its new management in place, they have been promoting just as they were last year. Hey, this is the season finale. This is, you know, this is one of the attraction points. I don't have any intel as to whether they've pushed back on the suggestion. St. Pete has said they want to be the season finale. But I think that's a hurdle that might have to be cleared uh, to start there. But share some thoughts and don't tell us anything you shouldn't. But I mean, we have some stick and ball sports that virus provided will be taking place October, November, etc. That I know IndyCar likes to try and avoid of late. Yeah, I, look, I think I think mate, just because of because of the nature of twenty twenty. Uh, anything goes, right? So I would be, you know, obviously there has to be things that, that are available. You've got to meet the TV windows, et cetera, et cetera. But if there's some midweek races or, or what happens, if it has to be that way, why not? You know, hockey does it, basketball does it, baseball does it. You know, uh, not all football games are on the weekends, as we know. Um, so... Yeah, I'd be up for it. Um, you know, I think NASCAR's been looking at that as well. And, and so if, if that's the way it has to go uh, to get a full season in, let's do it. Um, I totally understand uh, um, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca's position about promoting being the last one. But again, because of the odd nature of this year, would St. Pete be able to go and, and be the finale and... and, and um, you know, IndyCar negotiate with, with Laguna to, you know, give them a, a pass on this one and make a deal for the future. I don't know. Who knows? I'm, we're just all pontificating here and guessing. But um, it just I, I, I think under the blanket and under the umbrella of because of the totally odd nature of this year, anything goes. And I think we need to be flexible to a point. And, um, yeah, I mean, if we... if if we have to do some races midweek or, or whatever, why not? Let's do it. You know, people, when we go back to racing and when sport, not just motor racing, but when sport on a global uh, level reignites, I mean, just people are going to be so pleased and so relieved that if you said to somebody, hey, guess what? Um, uh, you know, the uh, the Barber Motorsports Park Round is going to be at uh, 4 p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon. So what? I mean, they, you know, I think people would, would just lap it up. Obviously, it doesn't help the venue because it's going to be tougher to get a crowd. But as far as the TV window or the TV audience, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think whatever happens this year, none of us should be surprised and we should all be just ultra flexible to go with whatever needs to, needs to happen to get it done. Going to grab a couple more questions here, Lee, that I know you need to uh, go get your beauty sleep, get your voice all nice and purdy for tomorrow as well. But uh, I'm going to just suggest here, pivoting off of uh, the question that we got from Ross, I'm going to try and pitch the Coast to Coast 1000. So we have a 500-kilometer race in Monterey. Two days driving time for the haulers to go from California to Florida, to St. Pete, and then we knock out, that we can, air quote, continue that 
and continue a second 500-kilometer race on the streets. So there's no winner necessarily determined strictly for Laguna. you got to complete both legs of that. Um, I think it's a great idea. Actually, I think it's a really dumb idea, but it came into my head and I said it because I have the ability to do so. Uh, let's see. Where are we going to go next? Uh, I love this one from Joshua Ponce. Can we officially title the 2020 racing season as officially the silly season sponsored by spam? You since all the racing dates are being changed and moved around. It only seems appropriate. Also says, I hope you all your families and whatnot are staying safe. I did think about this, Josh and Lee. So mid Ohio has kind of been the traditional start of the silly season each year. It's a little weird though, with things getting shuffled around. I'm not exactly sure if that's going to be the case or if another, maybe Iowa, who knows, but that, you know, we'll see where conversations about next year and who's driving what and where really start to ramp up. Uh, let's see, where else should we go? Uh, why don't we talk about uh, this is an interesting one, Lee, maybe you can weigh in from the conversations you've had. Uh, I've had too many and I'm happy that I get to pose this stuff to you, by the way. Uh, Eric Franklin says, how do these date shifts impact some of the one-off drivers across the schedules right the uh i mean sebastian borde is not a one-off he's meant to do three or four but that was in a 17 race schedule we now have 14 uh felipe nazar was supposed to make his debut uh ben hanley's supposed to do a couple of races here there any thoughts on how this jumbling might affect some drivers who are really just hoping to get their either feet wet in indycar or maintain their hold on a reduced schedule and whether the shuffling might negatively impact that. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, can I answer that in a, in a, in a, in a different way than what you may have thought? I was hoping a song um, or an interpretive dance, but no, whatever you want. As, as you know, I cover the Olympics for NBC sports. And I would say, just think about the Olympians who they don't go from year to year. They have to work in what they call the quad, which is a four-year cycle. So you start from today, and in four years' time, you'll be competing. You know, at the next Olympics, where you know, wherever you started, of course, uh, depending on what year it is, and of of course, next year uh, will be the Summer Games. But you think about that an athlete can train for four years and not make the team. An athlete can train for four years and miss out on a medal by a hundredth of a second. An athlete can train for four years and get injured at the games or whatever. I just think that for all of the people that we are talking about, uh, who may be doing one offs or a couple offs or, you know, bouncing around here or there, um, I think motorsport has the beautiful uh, flexibility of that there is going to be another season and there's going to be a lot more opportunities. So um, is that okay to answer it that way? Absolutely, Sorry. because that that's honestly, it's a very similar parallel. Obviously, we're not talking the quad. We're not talking this massive multi-year effort uh, to perform once and achieve at a high level. But think about this. I don't, I haven't spoken with my French fry, Sebastian Bourdais, but I do know that the original plan pre coronavirus was he would do the first three races for Foyt, come back at the end of the year, at the penultimate round at Portland and in between do IMSA WeatherTech sports car championship races and head to Le Mans 
to compete with Risi Competizione, right? In the in a Ferrari in, in the GTE category. And how awesome. Mid June, his home race. The guy's born there. Local legend and winner of the race in class. Well, with the move of Le Mans to the same weekend as Monterey, the scrutineering weekend is now in the weekend that he would be racing at Portland, which is, again, if we're going by what was in place originally, and if that were to hold, in theory, the guy who's trying to get back to being a full-time IndyCar driver who wants to do everything he can to give the AJ Foyt racing team and any potential sponsors they're speaking to a reason to say, yep, we're in six million bucks for 2021 full boat. Board is our guy. Let's go beat the world. What do his contracts say? Uh, is he now obligated to go to France and race uh, at his home race with Reese? Because again, I, get, I don't know. I'm just throwing out here. You look at someone like Seb who had this, Pretty awesome multi-series uh, plan for the year. Could some of his obligations contractually force him out of the Floyd car at Portland? I don't know. Uh, is he able to now, uh, I guess, if he's able to do this, do Portland and not do Le Mans? Because you have to be a scrutineering. You have to do these things. Uh, and what kind of hit to him income-wise would that be? Uh, again, it's just all these things where you go, oh boy, uh, Felipe Nazar. I mean, he'll be competing tomorrow. He, he's actually going to do his first race for Carlin on iRacing, which is pretty amazing. But here's a guy as well who is hoping to just blow people away on his debut and hopefully peak interests to get hired next year. Will he still get a shot? We don't know. We hope. But yeah, uh, this is some of the unintended effects are going to come in the form of some drivers who had plans and those plans going sideways and we'll have to see how things shake out there well let's grab this one quickly lee this comes from Lori carter who asks about the gateway date change does this mean the gateway is going to be a day race he says she says going from indy to gateway will be pretty awesome um this is, at least for what I understand, Lee, one thing that maybe the one and only thing that felt like a bit of a loss in the calendar shuffle is going from a night race to a day race. Is that something to get too upset about, or is that just something I and others should go, all right, if that's one of the only air quote casualties of this shuffled schedule, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. No, I agree with you there. It's not going to be the worst thing in the world. It's, um, you know uh, the the nighttime race was a, uh, and is a spectacle uh, at Gateway, but I think an afternoon, you know, the late afternoon race. I think it starts at three o'clock or something like that. Um, it, it, it'll be fine. I mean, it's it's it that track produces awesome racing, and so uh, we will we miss you know the action under the lights for sure, but it, it'll still be good. Grab another one here, one or two more before we say farewell. Uh, Sean Lee says, during preseason testing, I was thinking that the grids would be much fuller than in the past, but now with this coronavirus, who knows? Sean asks, what's y'all's guess on the average grid size per race, and will there even be 33 cars at the Indy 500? Which one of those two questions you want to grab, mate? Oh, 
Um, I'm kind of a little bit shocked to hear that because the numbers were great, you know, going to St. Petersburg. Um, what, we, what do we have? 26, I think, yeah. going to St. Petersburg. And, and to j- quickly jump to the second one, yes, we'll have 33. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and the, the main note here, Sean, is this is unique to IndyCar. I wrote about it, I think, this past week on Racer. I apologize. Genuinely, it's been a bit of a blur. But IndyCar teams, the full-time teams, are plugged into the series from a financial commitment standpoint. So we have 24 full-time entries for the year. They, as of April 1st, will start receiving their leader circle payments despite the lack of on-track activity. They are obligated by contract to show up and compete. So barring something crazy, barring a team having financial difficulty and maybe going away, which I don't think is going to happen in IndyCar, uh... We should have 24 minimum at every round because they are contractually obligated to do that. Would say I'd still expect the handful of extra cars here and there like we're going to have at St. Pete. For Indy, that's the big thing everyone sells on. So even with the strange date, I would expect, and I know that uh, our friends at Chevy and Honda Lee are expecting to make 35 to 36 total motors available. For those trying to make the show uh, to leave us with a field of 33 and a few that uh, will be going home prematurely, unfortunately. So I think, and I'm just going to leave this little proviso at 5.11 p.m. on Friday, March 27th. <laughs> I expect everything to be completely normal in this regard, Sean. If something happens with the coronavirus that extends this farther and farther than expected and there's increase in financial wreckage or otherwise then you know uh, that's the change we can't anticipate right now but everything uh, should frankly go forward as expected a nice note here from james haleski who says by the way just recovered from successful hip surgery and your podcasts were a big part of my downtime and recovery process well, that's kind, James. Uh, I was afraid you were about to say, man, man, they slowed me down. You're an idiot. So uh, that's kind of the normal things that folks tell me. All right. Uh, one or two more here. Chasen Akiri. Question here. Maybe you have some insight to share. Says, any word on how NBC, NBC Sports might be handling IndyCar's gold subscribers? Uh, it says, do you think we're talking any changes? Could there be any refunds or credits? What have you heard? Because we know this is, I think, in its one year so far, Lee, really become a, a valuable add-on to the coverage picture. That is a great question, and that is something I have not even uh, thought of or heard any discussion about. And, um, uh, yeah, good question uh, and valid question. I don't, I honestly don't know, um, but I can find out. Um uh, that's the first I've ever uh, ever heard of any discussion about that or bringing that topic up, but it's valid. Um, yeah, what do we do? I'm not quite sure, and I'm not really in a position to to speak on behalf of the network about that, but that's a good point. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you'd heard anything internally or not. I would just mention that knowing the efforts that I've seen so far to open up NBC's you know live streaming opportunities for folks to tune in with or without a subscription 
and the efforts to try and throw more content in to watch uh, during this downtime. I might be in the minority. I pay for my own subscription, by the way. It's not like I get it free. Um, I don't think, I don't feel like I'm owed anything if we have 14 races instead of 17 races uh, with, you know, three fewer NBC uh, gold slash IndyCar gold things to deliver. Uh, I would say that, you know, for 50 bucks for the year, if getting a check back for whatever the percentage is, you know, six bucks or something like that, if that's really needed, then uh, I'm guessing someone might consider that. But uh, I think we're all taking a hit somehow with this. And I would say as long as folks are trying to overserve, which is what I've seen so far with uh, NBC Gold, um, I guess it's more of a, a individual concern than what I would say would be something that they would institutionally send out a notice saying that everyone's going to get a couple dollars back because not as many races as planned. Certainly wasn't something that they uh, have made happen in that capacity. Let's go to, uh, where should we go? Why don't we grab one final question here? And thanks again, Lee, for uh, jumping in and helping. Really do appreciate you. Uh, Well, a little bit. Um, We're talking about dates, and this one seems to be... I've had a number of folks that are very curious about this. I don't get it. And that doesn't mean their questions are anything other than absolutely spot on. It doesn't equate to my brain. So maybe I'm going to rely on you, brother, to help us to close. Tim Riley is one of many who's saying, is there any particular reason you think that IndyCar went with August 23rd for the new date for the Indy 500 instead of Labor Day weekend? Saying it would have been a much better choice with both the 500 and the Derby on the same day. Mate, even my wife said that. Boy, Labor Day sure seems like a better one. Any thoughts there? I know you don't work for Roger. I know he didn't call you and say, all right, Diff, I got some ideas. You tell me which one. Just curious because, boy, a lot of people have posed the same question as Tim. Why not Labor Day? Why August 23rd? That's a good one. Uh, so, I mean, obviously the TV window uh, is a big uh, influence um, and consideration. Um, I thought about Labor Day as well. Um, look, my, my my honest thought is I'm just glad that we're having it, that they're making it happen because I don't know whether you thought it or not, but I was thinking... Could it be possible we have a year without an Indy 500? So you know, I'm I'm just I'm glad that uh, that we. I was really pleased this week to see IndyCup actually take the proactive step uh, of actually of putting out an amended calendar. Um, you know, it's uh, that's a commitment. We don't know. None of us know what's going to transpire in the coming weeks and months with the coronavirus. Um, you know, maybe easing off or getting worse or whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, I can't speak to, to why uh, the captain and, and his staff and everybody, all parties involved, chose that date. But uh, just for one, I'm, I'm just happy that we're actually going get it, to get it this year. I'll just throw this in to close. I'm most amazed... And our pal Robin Miller, as he wrote, I'm most amazed that we've only lost one day 
of on-track activity for the air quote month of May, August. We've only lost one day of running in this rescheduling. So we've gone from uh, having three days of practice leading into uh, Fast Friday. So we've gone from what was scheduled in May for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then going to high boost Friday, Fast Friday, then two days of qualifying, then a couple days off, and then uh, obviously carb day and whatnot. We've only lost one day in this whole thing. So now it's just Wednesday, Thursday practice, then Fast Friday in this August schedule. Maybe just share, you know, I realize we're just heaping praise on the company you work for, but this is, it's deserved. NBC working with Roger and IMS and IndyCar, they've moved the Indy freaking 500 months back and only surrendered one day and we're getting all the tv we expected i believe even more tv than expected this is something that among the you know hey could we get a discount on uh, indycar gold and why not this date why not that date it's a part of me that thinks myself and others have yet to fully preach how big of a save has been produced with what's been done with this move for the Indy 500? Uh, it's in, it's incredible. Um, it, it's one of the easiest things to say in, uh, no matter what your favorite sport is or, or what it might be. It's like, oh, why, don't, why, don't, why doesn't TV just do this? Or why doesn't TV just do that? And for, for our management um, to do what they've done, um, you know, and with our um, head of programming, John Miller, with Sam Flood, who is NBC Sports executive producer and um, just everybody involved to do this juggling act. And just remember, because we're, you know, we're talking about in the motorsport sphere right now and passionate motorsports people and fans like you and I are and all of the viewers and the fans that, that, that are attached to IndyCar. And if we just focus on IndyCar, this is one thing, and it's obviously the Indy 500. It's the biggest, you know, single-day sporting crowd in the world. But just take a moment to think about what they've had to do because they're not juggling just the Indy 500 or just IndyCar. They're juggling hockey. They're juggling. Um, they're juggling the Kentucky Derby. They were. It was the the hottest potato in any anybody's hands was the Olympics, right? Are they on? Are they off? Are they? What, what's happening? What What are we doing? I mean, just think about everything that that uh, my bosses and that NBC had to deal with to in this in these unprecedented times. Uh, for all of us, you know, nothing like this ha- has happened in our lifetime, and um, I think they've done an incredible job. And it underscores the network's commitment to IndyCar on how much this sport means. Um, and it, this is only our second year of having every race in the championship. And um, to me. Um, it just, you know, I know, I know the the family from the inside out, uh, as far as the NBC sports family and um, the word commitment uh, and dedication uh, are a couple of words that aren't used loosely. You know, um, talking about, you know, uh, true leadership and and commitment and you know, roll your sleeves up and get it done. That's that's what our bosses do, and um, you know, we follow that leadership. And and uh, I'm not I'm not surprised 
to see them because they're in, they're in, they're involved, they're committed, they're invested, and and they want to make it the best that it can be um, uh, for everybody, for for the viewers and the fans, and so for all of us, just to make it work. And you know, just you know, you, I mean, every every industry is going through this totally bizarre time of how do you keep your workforce in place? How do you try and look after? freelancers how do you look after full-time employees how do you make sure your workforce is healthy how do you make sure your workforce's families are healthy like it's just it just goes so deep right and then at the at the um you know of course it's a business and 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 you want to keep the businesses in business and there's just so much juggling that that goes on and and um i'm i'm, I'm not surprised to to see the way that it's happened because it's just full commitment, foot to the floor, let's go, let's all get in and get it done. So, And when we finally, Marshall, when we finally do get to go back to the track, it's going to be amazing. Lee Diffie, thanks for being a friend to just not only my dumb self, but to the sport. Also, tell us where, IndyCar, YouTube, and Twitch, but tell us where folks can hear your delightful voice, Townsend's sultriness. PT's just hammer-filled whiskey Canadian tones. Where can folks find this pretty awesome launch into a new new little era for IndyCar and yes, iRacing? It is. It's going to be a a, a, um, a step off the diving board, isn't it? Um, it's going to be on uh, on, of course, on iRacing.com. It's going to be on uh, on uh, both YouTube and Facebook. And it's also going to be uh, streamed on IndyCar as well, IndyCar.com. So there's there's lots of different uh, places uh, to watch from. Uh, whatever your favorite is, it's going to be available. Um, the one thing I was asked on Twitter, and I've just remembered it right now, I forgot to ask. I don't know if it's going to be available after it's done, after the live race is done, like on, uh, in an on-demand uh, setting. I imagine it would be captured and be available to, to like, to replay, I'm guessing that I'm going to ask, and I'll I'll put it out on my Twitter feed, or, or I'll send the answer to you. But um, yeah, and look, the great thing is, is that this is one of six. You know, it's just the beginning. We really don't know what to expect. I mean, uh, this all came about pretty quickly as well, and um, I uh, my 11 year old son is just beside himself with joy and pride because uh, I didn't have enough time to get say, for instance, like a, a, a mic, a headset and mic like we would use at work and, and our NBC Sports headquarters is ostensibly closed because of the um, coronavirus. Uh, it's not like I could nip down the road and grab one of my headsets from work. And so I am using my 11-year-old son's gaming headset <laughs> and microphone to call this race tomorrow, which he thinks is the best thing ever. And um, and I, uh, I, I sent off the tech specs to our, one of our lead engineers at work and he said, hey, that's a pretty good mic for, for, for a kid's gaming headset and mic. So uh, it's all going to work fine. So there's a family angle to it as well. 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific, Saturday, March 28th, Watkins Glen International, 45 laps, expected to take roughly 70 minutes. I know a 90-minute 90 90 minute broadcast window has been set aside. Push to pass. Yeah, there's push to pass. You get 10 activations, 10 seconds apiece. Uh, we're looking for what two pit stops. I mean, who's going to be calling strategy here? Uh, I mean, this, I can't wait to see what happens. The thing I'm secretly hoping is this just is a dumpster fire, 
Right. I mean, oh, I, gonna, I hope it's gonna be Townie based on the rehearsal race today. It's gonna be. <laughs> oh, I mean, Townie and PT ripping people to shreds. You, of course, trying to wrangle all the uh, the animals in the zoo. Drivers behaving badly. There's some old grudges, right? Didn't Charlie Kimball uh, really piss off some people at a, a real Watkins Glen race a couple of years ago? Anyways, I'm hoping it's a mess. I can guarantee it's going to be captured in some way because IndyCar is going to need to be clipping all kinds of things off and replaying them. So this is going to be madness. This is this is going to be the race that Delara hates more than any other because if this were a real race, somehow they would be making more money than ever on all the spare parts <laughs> and broken stuff. This is There's going to be more Delara carnage than ever. They're not going to make a penny from it, but... All that stuff aside, my brother Lee Diffie, thank you. Can't wait to listen to your call tomorrow. Thanks for spending some time here on the Marshall Pro Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. Thanks, Marshall, and thanks to all your listeners for uh, being loyal to, to the NTT IndyCar Series and the sport as a whole. And uh, here we go. Hang on. It's time to bring the action. <laughs> <laughs>